This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Second time's a charm, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, full disclosure, I recorded this podcast once already, and uh, I got to do it again. You know what? That's, that's, that's the love I have for you. The Something was off. I don't know what it was. I listened to it back. Didn't like it. Think I fixed a problem. Probably not going to record it again if it is the problem. It's a very minor problem. I just have some OCD. So um, I apologize for getting to, getting to this Friday. I swear I'm trying to get it on, trying to record on Friday or Monday, excuse me, maybe even Sunday night, put it out Monday. That way we can recap everything. It's fresh in mind. I get my, my takes out there before everyone else's. Unfortunately, my little cheap wire to my microphone broke as I was moving into the new office, which is amazing, by the way. If you would like to see a picture after you listen to this, go to MMA Takes on Instagram. MMATakes.com on Instagram. Maybe I'll even, I'll even put it up on the uh, on the old website as well. Um, but yeah, so the wire broke and uh, I wanted to, of course, I'm OCD and I had to have the, have the best wire. I mean, what's the best wire? Like they all fucking, like it, it probably doesn't even make a difference, but um, Guitar Center didn't have it. They had a gold version, which was about double the cost of what I want to pay. And I said, nah, no, thank you. So I had to wait for it, had a dentist, had to be a dad. So we're here. Um, squeezing it in, um, and, uh, getting to you right before the, I'll have some good Boise picks, all winners like always. So we'll go to go ahead and recap UFC 226. Let me tell you something. I walked into this building and watched the heavyweight disasters from the beginning. Magona's a piece of shit. Miocic's a piece of shit. Brock Lesnar bringing the goddamn heat. That was fun. That was fun. What a fun way to, to cap it off when he walked into the main event. I said, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Something's about to go down. So we'll start with UFC 26. We'll start with uh, DC Stipe. Good fight. Stipe looked good. Looked like he controlled the pace. DC fought a really smart fight. Uh, Stipe was... Um, closing in on his punches a lot and wasn't able to find his range. I think DC was doing a really good job with that. I think he uh, he moved well. He, he took a couple shots pretty well. He lumped up uh, Stipe before the final knockout. The knockout came off a, off a Greco clinch. He, he limp-armed and uh, threw a right-hand DC or uh, Stipe didn't see it. Dropped him, finished on the ground, looked amazing. There was a really good picture of um, of uh, DC and John Anik sharing a moment. John Anik jumped on jump off of of K-Side off a commentary, and they were staring at each other. That was fun. Then, obviously, after the fight, you heard the Brock Lesnar clip. Brock Lesnar, he has a lot of eyes on him. It's crazy. I was was at my buddy's house. We all were going nuts over this. And I'm not a big WWE guy. Listen, the argument for Brock is, oh, he's another CM Punk. No, Brock was a former champion. Brock is a real deal guy. If this was like any other wrestler, I probably can't name one. Um... Seth Rollins. I don't. I don't know how big he is, but say Seth Rollins came in the cage and challenged DC. I would be the first one to say that is such bullshit. I fucking hate that. Blah blah. Whatever the case. Brock Lesnar is a former world champion. Brock Lesnar is a very talented collegiate wrestler. 
Brock Lesnar just beat Mark Hunt. I know they kind of took it away with the whole steroid thing. He's got the USADA thing to still worry about. But Brock Lesnar's the real fucking deal, and uh, he's a legit superstar. And I know it was probably played up a little bit. DC has came out and said they've been friends since 97. One thing I know about the Brock Lesnar stories is how competitive he is. So the shove was real. The cut, the promo he cut had some realness to it. Obviously, I don't think they were going to fight in the cage. I think they're a little more professional than that. But they're selling a fight, right? So uh, you sold me, you know, all these other people up in arms about it. You know, I, I, I would be on your side if it wasn't for the fact that Brock Lesnar is a former UFC heavyweight champion and is has beaten some tough guys in the sport and is a legit freak. But uh, UFC 20, 226, I love the way they ended it. That was great. A little sour note, Max Holloway, as you know, pulled out of the fight. Um, he had concussion-like symptoms. Pretty scary stuff, man, as a, as a guy with a brain injury myself. I've been a four neurologist, and they tell you, I mean, but all of them have told me, we know so little about the brain already. I mean, we have advances in science and medicine, and we can take pictures of it. We don't know so much about the brain. So the Max thing, I, I mean, a lot of people were kind of blaming on the weight cut. I think he probably got knocked out or took a really big shot a week or two ago, and then when he was dehydrating himself, starting his weight cut is when the symptoms start showing themselves. Um, he could have slipped and fell. I mean, Max is such a warrior. He probably couldn't tell anybody. His camp's kind of staying mum on the whole situation. Not really. We're not really lead to believe how uh, bad it is. All I know, he did go to the hospital. They did do an MRI. And he left. They let him leave, but then he had to go back. It's scary when you talk about, uh, you know, there was a story that came out that said his team had a hard time waking him. They kept shaking him, and, and, and he was hard to wake. That's um, You don't want to hear that. That's That's not good. So, speedy recovery to Max. Jeremy Stevens was supposed to uh, step in and fight Brian Ortega for the interim title, I believe, him or Frankie Edgar. Stevens got the nod because Frankie had a, uh, a shoulder thing. Um, Stevens went on Twitter and eviscerated Ortega, who did not take the fight, which I think is a smart. There's nothing for Ortega to gain in that. Um, I mean, what, what's there for him to gain? I mean, listen, I mean, you can win an interim title, but you're fighting – Holloway, maybe you don't know how serious Holloway injury is. That's a big money fight. Wait on that. Maybe it was just a simple concussion or, or dehydration process. Um, maybe you can fight at the end of August, at the uh, beginning of September. I, I'm not really sure. But there's no sense of taking that fight. I know Jeremy wanted it. Jeremy's a true warrior for stepping up and saying, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it on you know four days, five days notice. He was cut weight on July 4th, he said. You know, I know uh, the UFC tried to, to keep that fight together because they obviously want to create this super card. And uh, the card was fantastic. That would have been a, an amazing fight. I was looking forward to that fight to the most. So speedy recovery to Max Holloway. Uh, don't fuck around with your brain. Uh, Aganyu, Francis Aganyu versus Derek Lewis. What a shit show that was. Uh, I, I was 50-50 on this fight. I was I was getting nervous. I want the people to be like, it was like a no-hitter situation. Like, don't fucking talk about it. I, everyone kept talking about it. Oh, no one's talking about this fight. This fight's going to be amazing. It's going to be over in the first round. Quit talking about it because anytime there's a heavyweight fight with two guys like this, it's either going to go one or two ways. Either it's going to be a quick knockout or it's going to go like a dud. That's how it usually happens. And I was, I was 60-40 thinking it was a dud. Derek Lewis doesn't engage all that much. I thought Nagani was going to hunt him down and fucking knock him out and be like, where's my title at? I picked Nagani to win that fight. Um, not much action. Derek Lewis tweaked his back a little bit. Derek Lewis, um, Obviously, was throwing some kicks and throwing some stuff. Ganyu, I, I don't even know if he landed a punch. I think he maybe landed like a leg kick or a body kick, but a really bad fight. 
Another thing making the rounds this week is Michael Chiesa missed weight for his fight with Anthony Pettis. He uh, got armbarred, triangled in that fight, he lost. He is now coming out saying that he thought he was going to die cutting weight. Um, the weight cutting issue is obviously a hot topic now. It, um, you know, I, I'm not a fighter. Obviously, I'm just a guy looking on the outside. But you know, there's it's there's guys who always make weight for a reason, right? And I think it's discipline. I think you gotta you can't balloon up in between fights. Like Kevin Lee was going on saying there needs to be 165 pound weight class. A lot of people are in favor for that. I just think it kind of muddies the water with titles. I think then we start talking about boxing because you know there's a 147 pound weight class, 149 pound weight class. It's just there's too many weight classes, too many titles in boxing that it gets it gets muddy. Like, oh, whose belt is this for? And the belts become meaningless. And if you want to get rid of the belts altogether, that's fine. Um, you know, I I personally think you you need a title and need someone marketable. But if you want to get rid of belts and just you know say I'm the number one guy and, or, and everyone can claim that, then uh, 165 pounds fine. Then you can go to 170 pounds, 175, 185, whatever. Um, Kevin Lee looks like he's about 210 pounds right now, fighting at 155 pounds. I think um, guys need to get a control of their diet a little bit. I know it's a hard job. They cut a lot of weight. And um, it's not easy. I mean, you, you have to stay disciplined even when you're not fighting. A lot of people do that. There's guys who never miss weight. and there's, I mean, you can put Frankie Edgar on, on any card, and I guarantee you he's never going to miss weight, no matter what. There's guys out there that just don't miss weight, and there's guys out there that do. Kiesa, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're thinking you're going to die, then stop the weight cut. I mean, what, what's the point? Go up to 170. You're a tall guy. Add to your frame a little bit. I don't know what he was walking around at. I'm assuming at least in the 180s if he had such a bad cut. A lot of these guys are spending their whole eight-week camps cutting weight, not getting better. Kiesa, in my opinion, the guy hasn't really evolved since he came off the open fighter. He's a great grappler. He's a, he's a great submission guy, but his stand-up is just stagnant. It's just not there. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that whenever he's in camp, he's fucking cutting weight. He's not upgrading his software. He's not, um, He's not. Uh, you know... It's hard for me to say because I've never cut weight before. I'm not a fighter, but I see these professionals and they do it right. So I think the it's easy to blame the weight classes. It's easy to blame. We need to change this. We need to change that. I also think that a lot of media members, since the fighters put their lives on the line, they don't point the finger at the fighters that much, and, I, and, and necessarily neither do I. But I think at some point when you start your cut at an eight-week camp at 190 and you're trying to make 145, I think that's a problem. I think, I think, you, uh, I think that's a problem. So little odds and ends on 226. Paul Felder, Mike Perry would have wore Felder coming up. That's my guy. Came up and weight, fought Mike Perry. He looked disciplined. He looked good. He got cardio. Felder broke his goddamn arm in the first round off a spinning back fist that hit uh, hit uh, Perry weird on the forehead. It, it's just, it's just, it's, it was a crazy fight, a bloody fight. Felder impressed me a lot. I, I, I want to see him get a guy at 155, a top 10 guy there. This might set him back a little bit because not only was it not in his weight class, but now he's dealing with some serious injuries. So I like to see uh, I like to see Felder come back. Gohan Saki got knocked out by Khalil Roundtree. Kind of predicted that um, MMA is a little different. Um, Gohan did not look great in his debut. Um, I think he's he, he's a little arrogant. I think he's a little naive, thinking that you know, and, and he might be the best striker, pure striker at two hundred five. But I think when you come in and, and, and you doubt and you think I've been in the ring with Peter Hertz, then, you know, who's clear around tree. I think, you know, I, I'm just speaking, you know, out of my ass right now. Cause I obviously don't know if that's what Gohan thinks, but that's what I, I can see that, that being the case here, uh, left hand slipped through and knocked him down clean and clear one. 
Um, that was a that was another good fight. But uh, overall, tremendous card. Probably missing out a few fights. I, I don't want to go over the whole thing because it's almost a week ago, and I'm sure you guys are exhausted hearing about this and that and what the fuck have you. So the and I'm kind of glad I waited on doing the podcast because Brendan Schaub and Dana White uh, are in a little bit of a uh, little bit of a tussle here. And uh, whenever Brendan Schaub gets uh, gets made of a fool of them, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. So Israel Adesanya, um, on one of Brendan Schaub's podcasts, he was talking about how kickboxers don't translate well to MMA, right? And he never named Israel. He never named Gohan, but he was just speaking in general terms. Uh, Adesanya videoed it on his Instagram and put it on his story, then put, eventually put it on his actual page. At the very end, was going shh, 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 like to Brendan at the video. It's very funny. It's very humorous. Dana jumps on there and says, Israel, do not listen to this moron. He knows nothing about the sport or the business. This guy went six and five in the UFC. The only thing he knows how to do is get knocked out. Do not listen to this fucking idiot. And, uh, Shab responded in kind with, you know, a real lame comeback about, hey, do Ronda's laundry and you're an old bald white man. And I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. And then he and then he and then Dana responded uh, to someone else who I guess was sticking up for Shab saying like, oh, Shab, Dana said that when Joe Rogan's done with him, he won't have a career. So Brendan yesterday took to his little notes on his phone, wrote out a note. And uh, posted on Instagram, and I'm not going to read word for word, but in general, and the gist of it was, sure, maybe Rogan's helped me out, but you wouldn't be here without Fertitas. You'd be a boxing size, uh, boxing instructor in Boston begging for tickets to my show. Kind of a lame insult. I doubt Dan White would be begging tickets to your comedy show. And then uh, he, at the end, he ended with, you know, this is no way Eskimo brothers should treat each other. If you don't know what an Eskimo brother is, it's when the two guys have fucked the same girl. I prefer the term wiener cousins because it's not as it's not as ambiguous. It is clear cut wiener cousins. You know, I, I I prefer that term. However, obviously he's alluding to the fact that Brendan used to date Rhonda, and then he is saying that Dana fucked Rhonda. I can only assume. Um, I I don't think Brendan Schaub has fucked anybody else that Dana would fuck. Obviously, Brendan Schaub's not fucking his wife. At least I hope not. Dana has yet to respond to that. That that claim that was just uh, something Schaub. A lot of the MMA community has responded to it. Obviously, the media members are having a field day. You know, this was you know, someone told me how this is a sport again. Whatever the fuck that you know these goddamn dorks are saying. But uh, um, Israel came back today and said, "This is my beef with Brendan on the on the Joe Rogan podcast. He does he." It was ignoring him and didn't give him props. And I know you maybe not were talking about me in the, the video, but you have hated on me from day one. And and what you say isn't law because Brendan Schaub gets, gets in this world where he thinks that whatever he says, because he has a platform, is it, it, it's true, right? And there's not many people besides Joe Rogan in his life that check him on that, right? Especially fighting. Like He bullies Brian Callen around with fighting because he thinks he knows fucking everything. So... Israel kind of called him out. He called him out again today, and uh, he posted a video uh, from like two and a half years ago. He posted an Instagram taking shots at uh, Brendan. Um, it was two really hot girls pillow fighting one another, and uh, and he said, Brendan Schaub's the only guy who would look at this photo and complain about CTE. It was really funny. Rogan talked about it on his podcast. So it was funny. Speaking of that, Israel looked fantastic against Tavares, won all five rounds, dominating fashion. People picked against him. Brendan Schaub picked against him. Um, 
he he's a full MMA fighter now. He's a complete MMA fighter. His takedown offense is is the real deal. He's working on. It. He's getting better at it. Um, there's obviously holes in his game that he needs to fix, and 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 he knows that. Um, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast this week, and and if you're not a Joe Rogan fan or whatever, I suggest you listen to that podcast. This guy's smart. This guy's intellectual. This guy knows the sport. He's a fan of the sport. He watches everything. You think if you can say something about him, he's not watching. He might be fucking listening to this. Israel, if you're listening to this, what's up, man? Come on the podcast. We'll talk about it. I'm not talking shit about you. Um, but he's just, he, he's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm super high on this guy. Um, I, I followed him since. I, I miss his kickboxing. I don't watch a lot of kickboxing. But I've been following him since the Gallard fight. And then obviously his UFC journey. This guy's the real deal. I love him even more now. He has all the skills in the world. But when you have that mental, that mental is, is, is something else that a, a lot of people can't really fuck with. And he has it in spades. So articulate, so smart on the Rogan thing, and, and I like where his head's at. I like uh, I like how he's carrying himself and, and, and what he's saying. That's uh, that's the most important thing. So uh, that's it. Yeah, the Dana White and Brendan Schaub saga. We'll 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 keep an eye on it. The last little bit of here before we get in the hot takes and the Boise picks was uh, Nick Diaz posted a really weird Instagram. It was like a it was it was an Instagram post. It was a picture of him with his eye cut, and he's calling out DC, and he said Dick. Dick Chess Lesnar doesn't deserve the shot. I deserve the shot. I can beat anyone at any weight in the UFC. I should be fighting for a title. Rambling on and on. It, it, like, you, ha- you haven't, first off, you've probably never weighed over 200 pounds in your life. DC's not cutting to 205 to fight you when you haven't won a fight in seven years. I mean, how is that fair to DC? Uh, a lot of people are, are taking shots at DC. Yo Romero did as well. But this Nick Diaz one just seemed rambly. It, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know where his head's at. I, I mean, obviously, he probably needs some money. He, you know, he beat the shit out of his lady, and uh, she's suing him. He's got court costs and stuff, and, and you know, going to the club every night, taking that molly or whatever the fuck he does is um, is expensive. It's not cheap, you know. Nick, your name Nick Diaz can only get you so far before you start you starting to have to pay for some shit. Um Really weird call out. I haven't seen if DC responded yet or not, but yeah, I, I, I don't like the call out. I don't, uh, it was weird. It was weird. It was rambly and, and hopefully Nick's okay. Um, cause it, it didn't look good. It did not look good with him calling him out. I don't understand the call out at all. So Nick, get help if you need it, pal. Maybe come back and fight Connor. Maybe come back and fight, um, someone like that as opposed to the 205 champ. So let's get in the hot take. Oh, hot, 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 So that's the hot take, little bat sim, uh, back signal there. Um, hope you guys like it. Uh, hot take is going to be, this is, I felt this for, for a while, and I think my, the Saturday kind of proved it. I believe that if you take the top 10 205-pound fighters in the world and the top 10 heavyweight fighters in the world and you match them up, 10 and 10, 9 and 9, 9 and 9, and they fight a heavyweight, the 205ers will win seven out of 10 fights, maybe even eight out of 10. I think you get a couple guys in the heavyweight division like Stipe and maybe Nagani that could take someone out. But I, I truly believe that 205 is the marquee division. Um, a lot of If you're going to sit there and tell me Anthony Johnson doesn't hit as hard as some of these heavyweights, you're out of your fucking mind. DC proved it. DC could beat most of them. John Jones could beat most of them. There's a lot of guys at 205 that hit just as hard and they're more athletic and they move quicker. I'm a fan of speed. I think speed kills. I think being a big oof can help you in some ways, and it also can hurt you. And I think uh, 205 guys hit just as hard, and I think uh, 
they hit just as hard in their in their in their and they're more athletic and they're faster. And uh, I, I want to see those matchups. I think they need to maybe in the future um, maybe do a car like that if some of these two hundred fives are running. Just do like you know mix it up one night. Be like you know they did an all heavyweight card. You know doing all two hundred fivers heavyweight card. You know do all like super fight kind of things and see and see who uh, see who wins. You know and and I bet you my hot take will uh, will hold up. So that's my hot take. Let's jump into Boise here, huh? Nice little, nice little fight night. Um, Saturday night fight night again. Start late. Hopefully ESPN fixes this pacing issue. I'm gonna be up till fucking one, two a.m. watching the goddamn Boise card. Hopefully the pacing is a lot better than the tough finale that was Friday night. Which, by the way, besides Israel Adesanya who put on a performance that uh, I'll remember for a long time, I thought he looked so good. That fight card was absolute terrible. Adesanya saved it completely. It just these guys just just not ready for the UFC. Um, it, it as simple as that. They're just not ready to be in the show. And a lot of those guys that came off the show did not look good. Mike Shazani versus Joe Giannetti was awful. Bracketone is the only guy who I thought looked pretty good. Uh, Jay Cuccinello didn't belong there. Tyler Diamond, who I thought was going to win the show, I I even did the podcast before. I saw Jay beat Tyler Diamond. He lost, so he's not going to be in the UFC. There just a, wasn't a lot of talent that came out of there. Um, I think these guys, when they get thrown in with the with the real deal guys in the UFC, they're going to get smoked, and uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, besides Israel, the last style bender, that, that fight card struggled, and it was on late, and the pacing was just awful, and, and it was uh, hopefully they can fix that. Hopefully they can fix that. So let's start with UFC Boise. Like I said, nice little fight night. Got my hard copies again. Uh, I, I'm an old man. I like a hard copy here um, in this digital age. Give me, give me some paper here. What do you, what do you say? First up, we got Jessica Aguilar, who is 19 and six. She's an she's been a pro since 2011. She is the plus 125 underdog. She's fighting Jody uh, Esquibel. Esquibel. Sorry for mispronouncing your name. She's six and three. She's a neg- uh, minus 145 um, favorite. She's fighting out of Greg Jackson's. Don't know much about Jody. I know she has a couple wins in the UFC. Aguilar, been around forever, tough as nails. Fighting out of ATT. We got Jackson versus ATT. Um, I think Jody's going to gonna get this done. I think Jody will, will win this fight. And, uh, and, I, and I think, yeah, I think Jody will win this fight. Sorry, I got, I got distracted a little bit there. Next up, we got Mark De La Rosa versus Elias Garcia. De La Rosa is 9-1. He's a plus-125 favorite and then we got Elias Garcia making his UFC debut. He's 3 and 0, minus 140. Um when you got a guy who's a minus 140 favorite coming in um as his UFC debut, there's probably a lot of hype around him. Garcia is only 3 and 0. He's all three um he he's a good submission guy. So is Della Rosa, who's 9 and 1. Della Rosa has fought in the UFC, lost to Tim Elliott. Um this is a flyway fight. Uh Elias Garcia fights out of Rufus, which is a great camp. De La Rosa's coming out of Fort Worth, Texas. I don't really know what camp's in Fort Worth. Maybe maybe James Wick or maybe uh, Johnny Hendricks' old camp. I like Garcia in this fight. I think the hype is real. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to look good. I don't think he's going to finish De La Rosa because De La Rosa is a, is a nice little submission artist himself. I know he got tapped out by uh, Tim Elliott, but, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Tim Elliott is the, is, is the real deal. He's a, he's a fantastic, um, fantastic fighter. So let's go Garcia, the uh, the rook, getting it done here. Next up, we got Liz Carmoose, the old vet, against Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya is 15-4-1. She's the plus-115 underdog. Liz Carmoose is 
10 and 5, excuse me, minus 135 favorites. Um, been a pro since 2010. Um, Liz Carmouche just doesn't lose. I mean, if she loses, it's a close split decision. I see uh, I see this Liz Carmouche's fight. I see her winning another close decision. And, uh, yeah, that's easy to pick. Easy, easy peasy there. Next up, we got Kurt Hullabaugh versus uh, Roni, Rowney, Barcelos. There you go. From Rio. Barcelos got a little hype around him. He's 11-1. He's currently the underdog right now at a plus 150. Um, Kurt it's coming out the Contender Series. Been around for a while. I've seen him fight a handful of times. Solid guy. I don't know much about Barcelos, but I just feel like coming out of Brazil and being and being the being that um with what his record is. I don't think a lot a lot of Brazilian MMA is better uh when it when it like if you're fighting on the regional scene in America, it's probably not as, as competitive as Brazil because there's always like a Brazilian guy that has like a win on somebody. Like Junior Santos has a loss against some rain in Brazil. Jose Aldo has another loss against like a Brazilian guy. So I'm gonna pick Barcelos as an underdog. It's my underdog pick. He's a plus one fifty underdog. I just think he gets it done. I think Halaba uh Kurt is um he's on that level, but I, I, I think he's I think he's it, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, I don't I don't know exactly what to expect from him. Next up, we got Justin Scoggins, who's eleven and four, against Saeed Nurmagomedov. Madoff. Saeed is Khabib's younger brother. He's eleven and one. He's a plus one four seven favorite. I think that's probably going to go up. He has a good record. He a lot of wins by decision, a lot of wins by the submission. He fights very similar to Khabib. I'm assuming. I looked at some highlights online. Making his UFC debut. Scoggins coming off back to back losses against some tough guys, both by submission. Um, Scoggins' biggest issue is guys can take him down. He's a longer guy for the division. He's got good striking, trains out of a good camp. I just, I'm going with Nurmagomedov here. I just think, you know, uh, you, you don't bet against Khabib, but you don't bet against that family. I mean, the dad's a trainer, and uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not fucking with those guys, that's for sure. So after that, we got Darren Elkins versus Alec Danner. God, these names, man. This isn't even a Russian guy, this is an Australian guy. Volkanovski, right? Darren Elkins, a lot of people complaining he's on the prelims. He's got five fights in a row that he has won. Um, listen, uh, he, um, let me go through the stats. Darren Elkins is 25. He's the biggest underdog on the card. He's a plus 295 against Alexander Volkanovski, who's 17-1. He's a minus 360 favorite. You know my theory, don't bet the heavy favorites MMA. I just think Darren Elkins has had a horseshoe up his ass. I think he's improved since going to alpha male, but like every fight he's fought besides maybe the Michael Johnson fight, he's been losing and he's come back and won. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Volkan Chansky's going to look really good and propel his name even more. I think after this, I think only big fights for Alexander. Next up, one of the fights I'm really looking forward to is Eddie Wineland. He is 23-12-1, and plus 147, underdog against Alejandro Perez, who is 21-6-1, and 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 he's a minus 172 favorite. Prez coming off a really good win over Matthew Lopez. He looked tremendous. Um, he, I don't think he's lost in the UFC yet. I think he just has a draw against Albert Morales. Eddie Wineland broke his jaw a few years ago and just has been really inconsistent with his MMA career. He hasn't fought in over a year. Last April is when he fought 2017. Before that, he didn't fight at all. In, I mean, he fought once in 2015. It's just His record's been pretty spotty. Um, his last loss was John Dodson. His last fight, last loss was John Dodson. He's been a pro since 2003. Eddie Wineland, the old dog. Um, 
this is a tough fight to pick because I do like Wan and I think his striking is good. I think time away necessarily doesn't a bad thing. I just think Eddie Wineland might not be in it anymore. Um, I just think uh, I just don't think yeah I just don't think he's in it anymore. And Alejandro, Alejandro Perez is the real deal, and um, I think he's going to probably put Eddie away. Um, I'm going with Perez, who's the favorite, um, but I like Eddie too. That's a tough fight to pick. Um, wouldn't be mad at. At, at Eddie winning that either and, and maybe getting the mix, back in the mix of things at 135. Next up, we got Kat Zaganu versus Marion Renault. Renault is nine and three and one. She's the minus 127 favorite coming off a big submission win over Sarah McMahon. Kat Zaganu is nine and three. That's got to be a wrong record because I know she has no, no, she's nine and three. Um, she's a plus 107 underdog, excuse me, coming off three straight losses. A lot of injuries, um, doesn't fight all that often, uh, needs to, I think, be a little more um, active, which this is a pretty quick turnaround for her. Um, she didn't fight at all in 2017, and she's coming off uh, a loss to Caitlin Vieira in March. So this is her quickest turnaround in, in quite some time. Um, I think Katsugan is very skillful. I think I think right now it's kind of maybe a mental thing. She's, you know, three losses in a row. She, you know, I mean, she lost to Ronda, and then she lost to Julian Pena, and now Caitlin Vera. I mean, there's, there's there's really no shame in those losses. Renault, kind of hot right now, a little bit a little bit of an older woman. She's 41. Um, Renault's probably the more experienced. Out of, I mean, I know they have kind of the same record, but more experienced. I just think Katsugan is fighting the higher caliber fighters, and a lot of people forget that she has a win over Amanda Nunes. Um, a lot of people are forgetting that, and that was that's a big win. Menunez is, is looking like a wrecking ball champ right now. So I'm going Kat Saganu on the win, underdog pick right there. Next up, a fight that I'm having the hardest time picking is Miles Jury. He's 17 and two. He's the plus 125 underdog against Chad Mendez, who's 17 and four. He's the minus 145 under, uh, favorite. This line will move a lot. Chad weighed in today. Didn't looked okay. Didn't look great. Didn't look himself. Got busted for steroid cream. He's been out for two years. He's coming off back-to-back losses before that, back-to-back knockout losses. And then Miles Jury's coming off back-to-back wins. Um, he, his last win was against Rick Lennon, who's also fighting on this card. This is a hard fight for me to pick because I do not know what Chad Mendes is going to show up, right? He's been out for two years. Miles Jury's an awkward guy. Miles Jury does give up a lot of takedowns, though. This is another Alliance MMA versus uh, Alpha Team Alpha Male. Um I, I want to bet Mendez, but since Jury is the under, I'm picking Jury. This is a fight that I'm going to probably bet on. I think it's going to be a close fight. I see Mendez getting some takedowns early and then Jury picking it up and kind of pick him apart. I think Mendez might slow down a little bit. I like Chad Mendez, but uh, I think the time away actually maybe helped his head because he, he had some two pretty bad knockouts against Connor and then Frankie. So hopefully this uh, this helps him. But I'm, I'm going with uh, Miles Jury. Next up, we have Randy Brown, 10 and 2, minus 128 favorite against Nico Price, who's 11 and 1. He's a plus 108 underdog. Nico Price has screwed me on every time I bet him. I bet it against him. He's won. I bet it for him. He's his only loss. Randy Brown, Brandy Brown, same way. I bet it against him with Mickey Gall. He won. Bet it for him, and he lost. Um, I saw the weigh ins. I saw the stare downs. Randy Brown's a big boy. I think these guys are very similar in the way they fight. Um, Randy Brown's a better grappler. Nico Price is, is is a good striker, but not like not like crazy. I think he has a pretty good kick, but um, and he uses his range really well when he fights other guys. I don't think he's obviously not going to have that advantage against Randy Brown, so I'm picking Randy Brown on the win there. 
Next up, you got Dennis Long Island Bermudez. That's not his nickname, but that's, that's what I just dubbed him. 17 and what is he? Is that eight? I need my glasses. 17 and eight against Rick Glenn, who was 25 and one. Rick Glenn coming off that loss to Miles Jury. Dennis Bermudez coming off three losses in a row. Chen Sung Jung, TKO'd him. And then you got Darren Elkins split decision, which I thought he won. And then um, the Andre Philly fight where he lost a split decision, too. So this is three team alpha male guys because Rick Glenn fights out of alpha male. Um, three alpha male guys back to back to back like that. Um, Bermudez is a pretty big favorite in this fight. I don't think a lot of people know who Rick Glenn is. He hasn't done super well in the UFC. Good striker. Used to be at a Rufus Sport. Um, won the World Series of Fighting title. I think he has potential. I think he has. I think he's at the right team with an alpha male. I just don't know if he's been able to put it together in the cage yet. So I'm going to go with Bermudez. I just think Dennis is too talented to lose four in a row. I don't see him losing four in a row. I think he's an exciting fighter. Pretty big favorite, so I don't hate the money on Glenn. But uh, I think Bermudez gets it done. I think he's going to wrestle his ass off. Co-main event, we got Super Sage Northcutt. Who's ten and two? He's the favorite at minus one twenty six versus Zach Otto, who's sixteen and five at plus one oh six. I don't know a ton about Zach Otto. I know he knocked out Mike Pyle. I know he's a pretty thick one seventy. Um, I watched some of his fights on Fight Pass. I'm not overly impressed with him, right? I think Sage is in the right right weight class. I don't like him at fifty five. I like him at seventy. Um, I know you know he's a big muscly kid. He's explosive. He's out of alpha male too. I think he's still. It says he's fighting out Katie. That's where he's from. Hopefully. He's still with those guys at Alpha Male. I like Sage. Sage coming off a big win. He's um, I, I see this fight being like I see Otto getting tired and Sage kind of taking over. It's gonna be an explosive first round. Otto's gonna be swinging leather. Sage is he comes out guns a blazing as well. But I think Sage is gonna get this done. Then we got the main event. We got Junior Dos Santos, who's eighteen and five. He is the one seventy favorite against. Blagov Ivanov. I know I'm pronouncing your first name wrong. Let's just call you Ivanov. Ivanov from Bulgaria. 16, 1 and 1, plus 145, making his UFC debut. Highly touted heavyweight. I believe he fights out of AKA. He is, um, you know, Dana Cormier and uh, Kim Velasquez training partners. Dana Cormier kept talking about how he was knocking everybody out in camp. Hopefully, Ivanov wasn't one of those victims. Guy's a grappler base, but he's he's pretty good at everything, but he's more of a grappler. I see him obviously wanting to take Junior down. Junior's tough to take down, man. Um, I like Junior in this fight. Junior's coming off his loss to Stipe. It's a little over a year ago. <clears throat> he hasn't been super active. Uh, Junior Santos, that is. I like Santos in this fight. I just think he's a better fighter. He, you know, if you look at his record, loss one, loss one, loss. You know, if if I was taking a Scantron test right now and I go, if I had three Bs in a row, I'm gonna throw a C in there, even if I think it's B. So the way it's adding up, I'm gonna go Junior Santos. Probably gonna get a late round finish. I think Ivanov. Hopefully, he shows up because um, the heavyweight division desperately needs a, a competitive guy, and hopefully, he can be that guy. So that's Boise, baby. That's uh, that's Saturday night, FS1. There's my hard copy. Sorry for hearing that. Um, let's end the show with a top five. Since Ivanov is making his de- uh, UFC debut, I'm going to do top five best debuts. Asterisks. I'm not adding guys like Justin Gaethje and other people who, and Eddie Alvarez and people who were um, champions in other promotions, right? You debut and you and you come over, right? And pride, there, there's a pride guy in here, but you know he—I don't think he—he he wasn't a champion of pride, and and you know whatever, you, you you get the gist of it. So number five, old faithful Rich Franklin, 
little fact, Rich Franklin, Cincinnati born, bred. He uh, taught at my high school. I did not have him as a teacher. He taught for two years and then, you know, became obviously a UFC career took off. But while I was in high school, he made his UFC debut against Evan Tanner, finished Evan Tanner, looked incredible. Uh, it was UFC 42, Sudden Impact. I remember that. Man, uh, I, I, I was one. It was my second pay per view I've ever ordered. So I ordered UFCs at UFC forty. Ken Shamrock versus TRTs, and then Rich was done in there. Um, yeah, he looked good. That obviously led a career to the middleweight championship. He fought Evan Tanner again for the belt. Um, tremendous uh, debut. I, I, and Rich is always going to make a list whenever I, whenever he can. Uh, number four is going to be Junior Dos Santos. This guy fighting Saturday night came on the scene and absolutely obliterated uh, Fabricio Redoom. I don't know what the line was, or how big of an underdog he was, but I'm sure he was massive. Uppercut from hell, knocked out Redoom, who was, you know, fought all over the world. Everyone knew who Fabricio Redoom was. Um, that was a huge, huge win for Dos Santos. That propelled his career, propelled him to a title shot. Um, you can't argue with that. Number three is actually my personal favorite is Joe Lozon. He came on and uh, he had to have been a 12 to one underdog, something crazy. I don't, again, don't know the lines. Um, I tried to look that one up. I couldn't really necessarily find it. Some crazy underdog to Jens Pulver. Jens Pulver, the only at the time, the only 155 pound champion of the UFC left for a while, went and fought the best in pride um, and was a killer boxer, had power, had great takedown offense, and, and Lozon's this kind of dorky-looking kid coming in. Not No one really knows who he is. I sure, sure shit didn't know him, and he knocked Pulver out in the first round. Had to have been under a minute. Brutal left hook, brutal knockout, and uh, that propelled Joe to the career that he did. Joe never won a title, but he does hold several records in the UFC, and, and you know is always an exciting out, and that was a crazy, crazy finish. I love that finish. Number two, you got Conor McGregor. Of course, he's making a list. It's Connor. Um, he did the guy he fought wasn't like a world beater, Marcus Bremis, who doesn't fight in the UFC anymore. It's not like Connor beat some world class guy or anything like that. But it was a very impressive performance. It was in Sweden, it wasn't even in America. He knocked him out in a little over a minute, I think. Brutal uppercuts. Kenny Florian had a beautiful call in that fight. I love the call. Um, I knew a little bit about Connor before the UFC. Uh, I knew he was a double champ. I saw his fight with Ivan, something where he became champ champ outside in Cage Warriors. So I knew about Connor before he came over. Didn't know that much about him. I didn't know what he brought. I, I did pick him against Brimage. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was electric. And obviously we all know what Connor has done. And the number one is Anderson Silva. I, I, I went back and forth. It was going to be Connor number one and then Anderson. But Anderson coming in, I know Anderson fought in pride. And Anderson had a name a little bit. People knew who he was, hardcore fans of who he was. But he didn't like the world on fire and pride. Um, he had a couple good wins, but he had some ugly losses. Go over the Cage Warriors, had a tremendous win over t- uh, Tony Fricklin with that upward elbow, sick fucking whatever he did, whatever Matrix shit he did. And then he had another dominating win over Lee Murray over in Cage Warriors 2, one of the best stare-downs I've ever seen. But he came over and fought a very tough, durable Chris Lee, even a guy no one thought could get knocked out. And fucking Anderson put it on him right away. I think Anderson got hit like once that fight. Every punch Anderson threw was pinpoint accurate and lit leaving up. Finished with a knee. And uh, the rest is history. It went on to be the best middleweight of all time. So that's number five. That's the list. You can't do any better. I guarantee it. So there it is. So that's the show. 
Um, a little state of the union on the uh, the podcast here is um, I do have the capabilities now of recording phone calls. I've tested it out. So the goal is to I've reached out to fighters and um, the goal because I didn't have the cable. I thought I did and I didn't. See that's that's the problem is is when you are an audiophile and um, you don't know what you're doing when you start a podcast. You got to kind of learn on the fly. So uh, speaking of fly, a fly just threw it in my face. I'm gonna kill that son of a bitch. Anyway, um, I can I can take phone calls. I can record phone calls now. I, I'm trying desperately to get some fighters on. I'm sliding into DMs. I need to get my name out there a little bit more. I want the podcast to grow. I want the website to grow. I want you know I, I I want this to be the real thing. I have so much fun doing this. I'm getting some good listens. I'm getting people all over the world listening to me. My numbers. Are, are okay. I mean, they're not for a podcast. We're very, I, I don't promote myself well enough as I, I think I should, I, you know, cause like who cares? Like everyone's shoving product on your throat, but, um, that's for the near future. I can't wait. Obviously I'll, I'll tweet the shit out of it. And, uh, hopefully we can get some people on here, some exciting guys, uh, some, uh, UFC fighters, some guys making to UFC, whatever the case may be, we'll, we'll get some people in here so you can just stop hearing about me. Talk about whatever the fuck I talk about. All right, that's it. Enjoy the fight Saturday, and I'll see you next week.